As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Willis Jackson, the CEO of Dev Copilot. What'd you guys think? So this was a really interesting one, and I, I wanted to have Willis on to talk about customer interviews. And so what we ended up doing was kind of a mock customer interview for people to learn from and kind of the techniques of how the conversation should flow and the types of questions that you're really trying to get to the heart of. Um, so I, th- I thought that was really interesting. What about you? Yeah, it was really interesting to see a dev-focused company uh, put focus on these things that all companies should be focusing on in the early stage. And to see him go through an actual conversation with you really just put it all together for me. 
So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to Max of Why Decision about why he uses Hover. I was using Enom and GoDaddy for domain registrars, and I was looking for something different. I came across uh, Hover then. What I really liked about Hover was it was easy to use. I had a clean interface. I'm a designer by heart, so I I like things like that. Go to Hover.com and use the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS to get 10% off your domain purchase just today. HostGator is the easiest way to get your business up and running fast. This week, I talked to their marketing coordinator, Kyler, about his favorite part of working at HostGator. See, my favorite part is when I get to go to trade shows and get to meet people who know who we are. People will give me hugs. Uh, people talk about how much they love us. And that's my favorite part is getting to see that kind of stuff. Go to HostGator forward slash promo forward slash rocket ship to get 30% off today. You've heard me rave about CodeShip before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI, and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship. All right, cool. So Willis, tell me kind of what is the um, the high level for Dev Copilot? Yeah, so at, at Dev Copilot, we, we take the Copilot role with uh, the person at a startup who is responsible for the product. So that means we do things like before a big initiative, we help them go through their, their pre-flight checklist. You know, what are the things that need to be checked off before, uh, before we do that big thing? Make sure we're not taking any risks that we can avoid. We, you know, once that thing is underway, we, we know what instruments to look at, what, what metrics are important when, and how to, how to draw conclusions from them that, that help us make better decisions. And then lastly... You know, we help the we help the person who's responsible for that product navigate their way to whatever those whatever product goals they have. So, making sure that each decision that they're making with their product actually is getting them closer to those goals. Uh, yeah, I love that. I mean, just knowing what goals to focus on is such an important problem to solve early on. Because uh, oftentimes you can get sidetracked if you're looking at the wrong metrics, say, or you're you know you're prioritizing the wrong feedback, and so. Um, that's such a useful service. So kind of what I want to do is um, you guys are really big on customer interviews. And so I was hoping that you would be able to kind of walk me through a mock interview here. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. So Michael, what are your three biggest problems? Not selling enough cars, um, not getting enough customers in the door and the process from validating a customer when they show up is is often after we spend so much time trying to sell them a car. Okay. So when you say what uh selling enough cars, what what's what's causing that problem? We don't have enough people coming in the into the dealership. So many people are browsing online now. Um and that's one of the big problems that we see is just how do we get people to drive their car to our dealership so that my sales guys can um, do their job. So uh, what's, what's the impact of that? Well, what we've tried to do is, um, I mean, we obviously start cutting corners a bit, 
which is never a good thing. Um, and we've tried to figure out online. I'm just not that good at it. Um, and, and so, you know, we're trying to cut our costs so that we can, we can keep the sales staff on. Um, and we're trying to figure out new ways to get in front of people. Interesting. So, um, what about, what are your top three problems around the pricing quoting process? Well, our software is probably antiquated to say the least. Um, we're all on these really old windows machines and it takes forever. Um, and we only have one guy in the office that can currently approve or deny customers, you know, and, and, and set the rates. So it's a constant negotiation between my sales guys and um, my approval. Interesting. Why, why are you guys organized with just one person to approve, approve pricing? I think it's to keep everything consistent and, um, and to keep him, um, you know, he's the guy, he's the last line of defense. Um, but you're right. I mean, maybe there is a better way to set up, to set up the system. It feels a little bit archaic. So how much time would you say like in the course of a, a, a negotiation or, or, or trying to send some, somebody away with some information, how much time, how much time would you say you're wasting each, each time you go to this person trying to get information? So you to wait? probably takes, you know, 30 to 45 minutes each, t each customer to, you know, to do the full negotiation of what's the value of their current car, what, you know, what's their credit score. We, we have to run through all those different parameters and, um, yeah, so it's, it's probably a 30 to 45 minute process per lead that comes in. So, and how do you do that? Do you, do you end up doing that just once or are you having to do that multiple times? Well, we have to do it multiple times during the negotiation if, you know, things change. Uh, maybe they want to trade in their car and then they don't want to trade in their car or they want to negotiate a better deal on the car that they're, they're bringing in or they want to bring their wife in on, um, on the credit checks so it's not just them. So all of these factors, you know, they add to the time each time something new comes up. Gotcha. So what I'm hearing you say is that, like, you have a, you have a problem where – you, basically you're, you're spending time waiting to go through this process of 30 to 45 minutes per person. And you have to do that multiple times and that you're spending all this time dealing uh, with this part of your process when you, when you could be dealing with getting more people to come in the door and, and other things. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So uh, how, how recently have you tried something new to, to try and solve that problem? I don't think we've changed in the decade. I mean, we got computers probably in the early 2000s. And since then, um, you know, it doesn't feel like a lot of people are, are, we have a lot of options, or at least I know about the options that are out there. Okay. So when, have you tried anything to do, to, to try and modify the process that you guys use so that you can get through that 30 to 45 minutes quicker? Um, we've... We haven't actually, um, you know, we know it's a problem, but it's, a, it's kind of one of those things that it's the elephant in the room, I guess. And so we've, we've tried different people, but the, the process seems to always take the same amount of time. Um, it just kind of is, uh, for us, it's just kind of there and, um, you know, we'd love to 
to figure out how to speed it up, but I, I just don't, I'm not sure what to do. So uh, if we pull out of like the interview for a second, that's, that's a really common response that people get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, a, and it's, it tells you that like, this is a problem and it's a real problem, but if somebody isn't doing something on their own to try and deal with it, even if it doesn't work, that person's probably not that motivated to have a solution. Okay. So okay. If we, if we want to, if we want to keep going and I can sort of, you know, show you some more of the additional questions, let's pretend like you said, yes, we tried something, you know, a month ago. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Com. That's business.att.com. Okay, let's let's jump in, and we we tried to fix it a month ago. So, uh, what did what did you guys what did you guys do to try and deal with it? So, um, we tried out some some new software uh, to see if it would speed up the process. It helped a little bit, but it didn't help a ton. Um, you know, my guys were a little bit happier, and and they did um, speed up certain elements of the credit search. But uh, in the end, you know, it brought it from like, you know, 30 minutes to, to 20, 25, which is, is better. But I would, I'm looking for something that, you know, how do we get it down to 15 minutes? Perfect. So uh, are you guys still using it or, or when was the last time you used it? We're still using it. Um, we're in trial right now for the next 60 days. And um, we're kind of on the fence whether we're going to keep going with it. So are you guys spending something on, the, on that solution right now? Yeah, it's about five thousand a month um, is what we're currently spending, and if we go into the full, it could run up to ten thousand a month. Awesome. So here, here's like this is the point where I'd start doing you know like closing loose ends. Like, do you mind if I follow up with you if we have some some new questions and, and making sure that uh, you know the most important thing at the end of an interview is always if somebody's giving you their time, they they sort of you've created a little bit of trust with them. So I ask people like, who else should I, who else should I talk to? Do you know somebody else who you think has like a similar problem? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cause I probably know every car dealer in town. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. Like most industries are, are, you know, they're, they're pretty tightly networked for the most part and people know other people. So you never present your solution. Absolutely not. Okay. Interesting. So there's a, there's, you know, once I know that you have a problem, uh, I can come back later and that's why I asked for permission to follow up is because if you have the problem, I am going to call you back and ask if you want my solution. Okay. I'm just not going to do it right now. Cause you promise not to. Because I promise not to. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And, and honestly that, that, that piece does make it easier to make that next call. Now there's, it's not straightforward, right? Like getting people on the phone once is, is a little bit of a random game. Getting them on the phone a second time means you got to be diligent in following up and trying to and trying to get that schedule. But it, you know, you haven't you've created a, a, some implicit trust, and if they have if they really have the problem, you know, they're they're going to be willing to listen to you and, and talk to you about your solution. Okay, interesting. And then, yeah, I guess if you can get it down to that fifteen minutes, that's the benchmark that you would take on the next conversation. Yeah, for sure. So. That's another thing you can do too. Is like you can tell people like, look, I just want like five or ten minutes of your time because like we like you did like we got to a point in this conversation where 
you know, there, I don't have a lot of my follow on questions don't make sense because you don't have the problem and you're not or you're not doing something about it. So, you know, you, you can tell people like, hey, uh, you know, I just want to talk for 10 minutes. When you get to 10 minutes, you tell them, hey, look, I've got some more questions I'd like to ask. But, I, you know, I said I'd only take 10 minutes of your time. I don't want to be respectful. So, you know, if, if you need to go, that's totally OK with me. And like 99 times out of 100, people are like, no, I can keep talking. Because you're in the middle of talking by yourself. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, I, I, can, I can do this for a while. Okay. Okay. And then, yeah, you're right. And so, you know, where we broke, that seems like, you know, at that point you just say, well, thank you. It's been 10 minutes and you, you kind of step away and you wouldn't consider me a, a potential early customer at that point. Right. Correct. You, okay. You're, you're, you haven't, you, you may have the problem, but you won't have enough that what we call early adopter characteristics. You don't have enough behavioral cues that tell me you're going to want a solution. So offering it to you does me no good. So was there anything that we left out of that conversation that was kind of impromptu? Um, was there anything in there that, that we maybe missed that people should know about? Yeah. Uh, so you, you actually kind of answered a couple of the questions I would, I would normally ask. So how, how did it work out for you? Was the thing that you tried, uh, was it effective? Did you get something out of it? You, you, know, you said that you got, it, it reduced the time by like five or ten minutes. Um, did you get what you were looking for? It uh, is hugely important because we want to know if people are satisfied with it or not. Um, what what was the result of of trying this thing out? Uh, you definitely want to make sure you get that information too. Okay, cool. So, if do you talk about like I offered the price, but do you ever try to validate like how much the solution is worth when you're doing it? Well, it, it at this stage, like in the first conversation, no. At this stage, no. I'm I'm only interested in like it's. I almost don't even care what the number is. I just want to know. Have you devoted money to solving this? Are you, if you're paying for something now, then that's proof that you have. If you're not paying for something now, have you already had the conversations required at your organization to say we are going to pay money for this? Okay. Yep. That's it. I don't. And and this isn't necessarily a requirement for everybody, right? Like if you're going to do something where you're not going to charge people, you don't have to ask if they've got a budget for the thing. Right. Right. Yeah. No. I know pricing is just such a it's a tricky art. You know, and so I was wondering if you like when you started trying to figure out um, the pricing model um, or even just like the validation that, hey, they've got some money budgeted for this. Or is this something that's a nice to have? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people get hung up on pricing way too much. The truth is, and we did this when we first started our company. I sat down with people and I did I evaluated the validation stuff they had done previously. I wrote up a report and it says, here's the next three experiments you should run and here are the parameters you should use and here are the docs you can use to run them. And I charged people $100 for it. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I was like, I am not charging people enough money for this after I did it like three times. Now we charge people $500 for that. And in some cases, 1000 if they have like just a slew of stuff to go through. It doesn't like, you're not going, and you know, that's not a recurring thing. And But even if it's, even if it was a recurring thing, you're not going to like ruin your business by accidentally undercharging your first 20 customers. That's true. That's true. And you can always change the model as you learn more. Yeah, absolutely. And we've gone up, we've gone down and it never, it never really seems to affect um, your current customers. And if anyone notices it, 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 giving them that refund or, or matching what you're currently doing has never been a problem for me anyway. I don't know if you've had different experiences, but it, it, it really isn't that hard. And in, in one case, we've had, uh, you know, a client has told us, like, their customers say, like, you're not charging us enough. 
you, like, well, if your if your customers are saying you're not charging us enough, like you know, you can be like, here's a price increase, and they'll be like, great, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> like it's it doesn't and that doesn't happen all the time, you know. With the the reality is, is that's what that's what that's a type of experiment you run down the line when you've got a bit like the beginnings of your business are functioning. Yeah, uh, you can come back and say like, okay, I need to run some pricing experiments. I need to run some what we call packaging experiments, like how am I offering it? Is it, you know, you can buy, you know, the next tier is 20% more of this thing or is it like by users or whatever it is. So how is this different than like an agile methodology? An agile methodology? Good question. Or a lean startup? Like uh, I, I actually don't always know the difference. They all kind of sound the same to me, but. Yeah, um, they're, they're sort of like two sides of the same coin. Okay. The, you know, the, the thing the thing that's different about our process to the other stuff that's out there is it's sort of what we call, uh, I sometimes call it like it's the Goldilocks spot. It's the process is just right. It's not too specific and it's not too generic. Uh, if you, if you've read four steps of the epiphany, like his original pro his, like Steve Blank's original stuff was 48 steps long. Wow. Good luck remembering that in your head. Right. Uh, but you know, like on the other end, the other extreme is like the lean startup process. You know, like build, measure, learn is great for a poster, but it's not a good process. It doesn't have enough detail for you to actually get the right stuff out of it. And it sounds like the the it could even be in the wrong order. Yeah, and 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 we never suggest like the first thing you should do is build something. Right. The first thing you should do is decide whether or not you know enough to build it. And then if you don't, to test what you don't know. And sometimes the test does mean building something, but frequently it doesn't. So we've talked kind of a lot about what you guys do for startups, but what do you do for companies that are a little bit farther along? Maybe they've plateaued and they're trying to find that next you know, thing that's going to create growth. Yeah, so for, for a company that's sort of reached a plateau, there's usually two two issues that need to be dealt with. The first is that somewhere along the lines, they've missed some critical piece of validation that's really holding them back. And that's usually because they either have, you know, a not very good process or no process for actually making product decisions. So they're not catching that, that thing that they've missed. Mm. So in order to get them back into sort of a growth phase, we do two things. The first thing is, we go through everything that they sort of learned about their product up until that point and see if, you know, if we look at it from our, our perspective, is there anything that, that does need to be addressed right away? And then uh, once, we've, once we've addressed that, uh, the next thing that we do is we set them up with a process that they can actually use on an ongoing basis to figure out what is the biggest risk that they're encountering and make sure that they learn enough about that risk to deal with it. So whether they're having problems with their customer or the, the problem, their, their idea of the problem or their market or the channels or the product itself, that they're able to find out the information they need to find out, test the things uh, that need to be tested so that they can improve what they're doing gradually. And as they move through the process, you know, like eventually get back to that, that growth phase. Very cool. So where can we keep up with you um, online? So uh, we're at devcopilot.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm usually, I'm, I'm kind of a, I like to get into arguments on Twitter. So 
anybody, if anybody wants to uh, tell me I'm wrong, I'm, I'm more than game. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. 